Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. Today is January 10th, 2024. I produce the Sterling NetPoint Power Rankings and the Bias Plus Reports. And this is Ben and Barry on football. What's up there out there, everybody? This is Ben Dickerson, your co-host. Week 18 is done and in the books, and we have Wild Card Weekend upon us. I tell you, brother, it's 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 just seems like it was just yesterday. It was week one, and we were talking about uh, the extended preseason and all that stuff. And now it's playoff time. Ben, talk yeah. about wild card weekend. Here's the wild card. Here's the wild card right here. Is Ace he going to be hosting us on championship weekend? <laughs> yeah, the boys will be hosting. Boys will be back in town. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, how did you do last week? Uh, nine wins, seven losses, which is way better than I thought I would. That's kind of normal. That's my normal 56%. Um, considering that a lot of people with minor injuries were held out, considering teams that clinched, benched most of their starters, and it was a little haphazard. Some teams were going all out to win. Some teams were just kind of playing out the string, but I still got nine wins and seven losses, so I thought that was pretty good. I'm, I'm trying to pull mine up right now between this and dude here taking up the taking up the space. But if I do remember uh, when we talked about it last week, uh, I said uh, they have people have. Teams have different motivations, you know. Correct. Team. So you see losses that didn't make sense relative to the net point history. So <laughs> Tom Reed, I guess he's out. Um, and that that applied in my case. We call it the bias plus beaters. Um, would include the Bengals beating the Browns, the Titans beating the Jaguars, the Steelers beating the Ravens, you know, now the Raiders and the Broncos, you know. That's yeah, those didn't mean much. The Steelers needed their anyway. game. But the Giants beating the Eagles and the Rams beating my Niners, my beloved Niners. So, you know, that's what, one, two, three, four, five, six wrong out of 16. So what was that? What would that be, like 10, 10 out of 16? Six wrong out of 16? That's, uh, you're pushing 60%, right? Well, that's that's what I'm thinking here. Let me see. 62.5. Excellent, excellent. So, you know, that's down from the 75 uh, in the previous week. But like I said, you know, this... We understand what the basis of the numbers is. You know, the basis of the numbers are the net points, and that's the margin of victory over the season, and we even average it. It's funny, I hear on, um, on the media now, you know, and they, and they use the differentials, but they use gross numbers. So they'll mm -hmm. say, yeah, they're plus 16 in turnovers, you know. Yeah. And, but we'll say they're, they're at the average one, one more plus one turnover over 16 games. You know what I mean? Right. right. So we'll just say plus one. Doesn't sound as, uh, you know, impressive, I guess, you know, but if you, if you turn around and just multiply it by the 16, 
Yeah, you got your your gross numbers. So long yeah, story short, um, I you know, I still see they they use the differentials um, a lot, you know, and so they they, you know, and and basketball too. <laughs> I see mm. a lot basketball. Um, all right, so this is Wild Card Weekend. Uh, my team, my beloved Niners, are home. The other team that's home are those scary Baltimore Ravens. Um, and then everybody else is pretty much in play uh, that had to that had to uh, play. So let's get ready to jump into the matchups. Oh, Benny. Yes. Before we jump into the matchups. Yes. Um, I did want to do something a little different. And that is the rankings that these matchups are based on because this is the end of the season. Okay. This is the final regular season ranking. So I just brought it up. Again, sterlingnppr.com, the net point power rankings. And we're not going to spend a whole lot of time. But within the rankings, you can see who your playoff contenders are. And you can see kind of where they fall in the rankings. And if you look at, for example, Philadelphia, uh, in terms of, uh, I don't, are there any other teams that uh, are in the playoffs below Philadelphia, Benny, that you can see? I don't think so. Let me give a quick count here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. There's one more. One more. Um, there's 14 total, and I only count 13. So somebody – oh, you know who's lower than them? The Steelers. The Steelers. Right. At a negative 1.2 net points. Right. Everybody else is top 15. Because they've got Mason – what's his name again? Mason Rudolph. Mason I, – I struggle with his name purposely. Mason Rudolph, <laughs> who's, who's, who, and, and as the coach said, he's helping them score. So we got to we got to give it to him. But let's look real quick. Again, this represents the average net points. That's the differential on average that these teams win by. So as you can see, Baltimore at eleven point nine, a plus eleven point nine, and again, the average net points can go plus or minus. So they're winning by an average of 11.9 points. Dallas in second place actually tied with San Fran at 11.4 net points that they're winning by average. Buffalo's coming in. Betty, did you jump off the bandwagon too soon, man? Buffalo's no, I don't think I don't think so. I don't think so. This the stress was enough to, for me to get off the bandwagon. Now, the bandwagon I did jump on. Kind of the wheels fell off. But, uh, you know, I don't have any real allegiance to these AFC teams. I just like to watch them. So I think I'd be welcomed back by Bulls. Uh, I was about to say Bulls Mafia. Bills Mafia, if in fact I decide to make that change. I tell you what, though, I can see a scenario in my head. I probably shouldn't say this too soon to say this, where with a uh, Buffalo Bills Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl. <gasps> Say that one more time. A Buffalo Bills Super Bowl, did you say? Buffalo Bills versus Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl. 
Okay, okay. Well, you know, again, going back to my, you know, my my thought, teams that can make you play eleven on eleven have a decided advantage. You know, and I saw I saw it when they played the Miami Dolphins. You'll talk about that. Yeah, so I, the question was, you know, did you jump off the bandwagon too soon? And, and I understand what you're saying. You know, Cincinnati, uh, you see where they wound up at ranking 18th uh, down there with Minnesota, Indianapolis, Chicago at negative one average net points. Uh, so that's how close it is for those teams in terms of losing. On the other side, the winning side, these these are generally where you're going to find your playoff contenders and your Super Bowl uh, contenders over here somewhere. And usually, again, I like to break, since it's 32 teams, we'll break it down in the four eights, going down to Detroit at number eight, 3.9. Uh, Cleveland, Green Bay, the Rams, uh, Houston, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville fell off. Philadelphia's still there. So, and then Pittsburgh, as you said, the only one with a negative with that. Now, next to that, Average net points. We didn't want to just recognize people for the scoring. Dallas came in at number one in terms of points for edging out Miami at 29.9 versus Miami's 29.2. Dallas put up the numbers this year. San Fran's coming in at third, 28.9. Baltimore, 28.4, right behind San Fran. Uh, the Lions, 27.1. We know they can score. There's that Buffalo team again, 26.5, Philly 25.5, and then the Rams coming in at eighth, 23.8. So those are your top eight, the top quarter of your scoring team. Now, below that, you do have the Saints, the Colts, the Browns, Green Bay. Those are down in the 23-point-per-game uh, area. Houston at 22.2. So when they start playing the big boys, uh, they're going to have to start getting their numbers up a little bit, but their defense is going to have to really do something. Uh, big news came out of Seattle today, Benny. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, you got Chicago, Denver, uh, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's in the uh, – they're in the playoffs, right, Tampa Bay? Yes, sir. All right, 20.5 points per game. That's my problem with Baker Mayfield. That's about his ceiling, I think. But in any event, as you can see, from, from 20 down to 32, Chargers, Minnesota, Vegas, uh, those teams, a lot of those teams now in that area, that lower area, are getting new coaches and general managers. <laughs> you know. This is what Monday scary. This is what makes it scary because you got your top eight Defensive squad led by Baltimore, only giving up 16 and a half points per game. Next is Kansas City. Now, again, Ben, doesn't this seem like such a great turnaround from the Kansas City teams of old where yes. they were castigating their defense? Yes. Offense was just ripping people up, and that's how they were winning games. Yep. Man, how things have changed. My Niners, 17 and a half points per game. Uh, and then you have, there's Buffalo again, 18.3. Dallas, 18.5. Pittsburgh, that's how you get in the playoffs, baby. 19.1 points per game, tied with Tampa Bay. New Orleans at 19.2 rounds out the top eight. 
So there you go, the you know, um, Raiders, Packers, Texans, they're down in that Cleveland, they're down in that area, you know, and the Rams giving up 22.2 points per game. They're in the playoffs, ranked 19th out of the teams. Uh, I will I will mention, let me see, we go down, down Chicago, Cincinnati, Miami at 27. Now, this is where you begin to question the playoff viability of some of these teams, like a Miami coming in 22nd and allowing 23 points per game, like Detroit coming in 23rd, allowing 23.2 points per game, uh, Seattle 23.6. We pointed these teams out having similar issues last year, and I believe the year before that. It's kind of the makeup of these squads. The probably the biggest surprise is all the way down at the 30th is Philadelphia Eagles allowing 25.2 points per game. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. That's the reality of how the numbers uh came out. Arizona at 26 and Washington at 30.5. I'm sure Magic Johnson ain't like that. <laughs> no. Uh, they have put together, and we can talk about this later, of course, but I heard they've put together this like eight-person committee to find their new coach. Oh, uh, yeah, they're serious. Yeah, they're going all in, man. He might come from anywhere, Benny. <laughs> anywhere. Be the first European coach brought up from the nah. European League. No, nah, that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Anywho, our friend Todd, or since he's average, a Todd average turnover differential. Look who is number one tied with Baltimore. <laughs> Can you believe it? A team that was known for turning the ball over. Or should I say a team that had a quarterback who was <laughs> known for there turning the ball over has since turned that whole thing around to the tune of being number one in the league in turnover differential. I think that's astonishing. Absolutely. Tied with Baltimore, okay? Tied with the team that's favored to go to the Super Bowl. That's just Speaking of ties, you got a six-way tie, I believe. Pittsburgh, the Saints, the Texans, the Bengals, the Cowboys, and my Niners all at plus 0 0.6. And again, we remind people that um, average turnover differential like net points can be both positive and negative. You get down to the – now, that takes us down to eighth place right there. So that's a six-way tie. So you got a two-way tie for first and second place and a six-way tie taking up eight spaces. But right below that, Tampa Bay is coming in at a half a, a turnover differential uh, per game. Uh, Denver, Chicago, Buffalo, Seattle, Indianapolis, Miami, and the Chargers uh, tied with Green Bay, Detroit at – break even point of zero. Everybody else is slightly in the negative. Again, Philadelphia being down at 27th uh, at negative 0 0.6 uh, average turnover differential. So uh, for your playoff, hey, look, they're tied with uh, New England and Kansas City. Now, you know, that's the, one of the problems with Kansas City as far as those uh, those drop passes, because a lot of those drop passes, the ball didn't go hand to ground. 
The ball went right. hand somewhere in it the went hand to hand. <laughs> from the other team, generally. Right. You know, tip it's tip drill live, you know, when you're playing the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So um, that's probably the one thing I'm going to be looking for. In any event, there you go. Sterling net point power rankings with our four favorite stats, average net points, average points for, average points against, and average turnover differential. All right? All right. So, like, let's move on to the Bias Plus reports. <clears throat> Bias Plus reports takes those average net point rankings and those average turnover differential uh, stats, rather, not rankings, but the actual stats, puts them into the jumble machine, and out comes a Bias Plus score. In this case, the Browns are at the Texans. And the Texans, it's bias plus score of 3.8, favoring the Texans. Little over field goal there, Benny. That's tight. That's tight. This is yeah, going to be one hot. hell of a matchup right here. So the Cleveland Browns locked up the number five seed in the AFC back in week 17. Joe Flacco and most of the starters rested in week 18 since they were locked. They couldn't do any better, couldn't do any worse. Now, during weeks 14 through 17, Joe Flacco led the Browns to four consecutive wins and threw for 300 or more yards in all four of those games, including a 36-22 win over this weekend's opponent, the Houston Texans. They have a solid run game that's led by Jerome Ford, who gained over 1,200 yards from scrimmage this season, and a very stout defense. They're sixth in sacks. They're tied for second in interceptions with 18 of them. Uh, they're first in yards against and third in points against. That is a pretty elite defense, if I do say so myself. Now, they have to go and visit the Texans. The Texans won the AFC South title and they clinched the number four seed with their week 18 win over the Colts, which was 23-19. Rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud put on a great performance, going to rock solid, 20 of 26 Woo -hoo -hoo! for 264 yards, two touchdowns, and zero turnovers. Beautiful day for C.J. Stroud. He leaned on wide receiver Nico Collins, who pulled in all nine of his targets for 195 yards. Great day for Nico Collins. And he had a touchdown. Um, and that touchdown actually came on a 75-yard bomb on the Texans' first offensive play of the game. Uh, their run game is very solid. They're led by Devin Singletary, who uh, has gone over 1,000 yards this year from scrimmage. That's, that's rushing and uh, receptions. Uh, despite only actually starting nine games. So they started the season off with uh, Damian Pierce being the starting running back and Devin Singletary kind of being a part-time back, but he took the job over, started nine games, and still uh, got over 1,000 yards uh, from scrimmage. The defense didn't finish in the top 10 in any particular defensive categories, but they play well together and they've made the difference in several games under defensive-minded head coach D'Amico Ryans. 
with the Houston Texans being at home and being a favorite of mine over the course of the season. I love what they're doing. There's been a great culture change. You got a rookie quarterback playing great. You got a rookie head coach playing great. 10 and 7 record, division winner. I really love them. But I'm telling you, man, defense usually travels. So I got to go with the Browns. I'm picking the Browns to go into Houston and beat the Houston Texans. Well, now, that's kind of understandable. I mean, that defense is ridiculous. Um, and we'll talk about both sides of the uh, that defensive line coming at you now. Uh, you know, so... CJ Stroud, this is this is a uh, this has been a great accomplishment to make it this far. If oh, no doubt about it. Browns team, woohoo, baby, man, that would be something. So, all right, Benny, I'm with you there. I'm with you. Dolphins at Chiefs, bias plus score four point five favors the Dolphins. Hmm. Now, here you have that. I used to that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Somebody other than the Chiefs being favored. And in the playoffs. When when I look at the uh when I look at the numbers for this for this game, and let me see here. It it was really, really close. Um what bumped, what really helped bump the numbers up for the Dolphins was the turnover differential, to be quite honest with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Chiefs were ranked sixth. Dolphins are ranked fifth in net points. So they ain't far off either one, but that made, that did make a difference because, you know, the, the Dolphins are coming in at plus 6.2 and the Chiefs are coming in at plus 4.5. So that ain't okay. um, but a, a point plus difference, but again, when you throw that that uh, differential in there and account uh, for that, and, and again, Chiefs had a negative differential, and you know the uh, Dolphins had at least had a positive. It wasn't big, but the differential was was, was healthy, and so that Pythagorean calculation uh, kicked in and really bumped it up. So you got okay. 0.5 where if it had been just based on net points, it would have been 1.7. <laughs> That's how close Right. So, all right, what do you got? Well, let's go with the visitors. That would be the Miami Dolphins. And I'm telling you, everybody on television, I think, and the, the, the final, you know, usually late in the week, like Friday, every show, every sports show you watch on television, they're going to do their picks for the weekend. I'm telling you, all they're talking about is the weather in Kansas City. It was freaking zero degrees the other day. The day after that, it was like eight degrees. It's crazy cold in Kansas City. I don't know what they're predicting for this weekend, but it's going to be seriously, seriously cold. Now, let's talk about the nice Miami Dolphins. 
They clinched the playoff spot back all the way back in week 16 when they beat Dallas. But they needed a win over Buffalo in week 18 to clinch the AFC title because Buffalo did so well down the stretch and put themselves in position to win the title. So it came down to that head-to-head matchup. Uh, not only if they, if they had beat Buffalo, not only would they win the AFC East, but they could also lock down the number two seed and home field advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Unfortunately for them, they lost at home to the Bills 21 to 14. They dropped all the way down to the number six seed and they'll have to travel to Kansas City. The normally high powered Dolphins offense went up 14 7 by halftime, but then they struggled to hold on to the ball in the second half. They punted four times, and one of those punts was returned by the Bills for a 94-yard touchdown. <sighs> now, we have to remember they were missing two very important players. That would be Raheem Mostert, the running back, and also Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle obviously complements Tyreek Hill, and Raheem Mostert is their number one running back. Uh, Mostert's got a knee. Waddle has an ankle. Uh, head coach Mike McDaniels expects both of them to be ready for this game this weekend, though. He's very optimistic about both. Now, defensively, they're third in sacks. They're tied for fourth in fumble recoveries. They're tied for fourth in turnovers on downs. And they're tied for third in defensive touchdowns. That's big. And 10th in yards against. Now, I know you always keep points against, so I wanted to make sure I got yards against in there. I'm not going to talk about it on points against because they're kind of low. But yards against, they're pretty good. Again, I don't want to call this defense elite, but it's pretty doggone good. Top 10 in a lot of categories. Uh, Unfortunately, it's going to be freezing cold in Kansas City. So I don't know how they're going to do. Let's see what I got for Kansas City. Uh, The Chiefs won their eighth straight AFC West title. And they locked up the number three seed with their win over Cincinnati in week 17. Consequently, they set all their main starters against, uh, except D-tackle Chris Jones, who needed one sack. This was funny. I love this. Not funny, but it was, it was kind of heartwarming. D-tackle Chris Jones needed one sack to get a million-dollar incentive bonus. So they left him in the game until he got it. When he got it, he went bananas running around the field. Ah! And all his teammates mobbed him. It was great. I love seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was Absolutely. one of those weekends where a lot of those bonuses and things. Yes, a bunch of bonuses are at, that. at stake there, you know. And we Absolutely. know you'll talk about the one down in New Orleans. Well, that wasn't a bonus, but that was a, a slightly different situation. Uh, oh, 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 I know what you. Oh, yeah, we got to. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) although the Chiefs haven't been as strong on offense as they've normally been over the last couple of years, they still do have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Isaiah Pacheco. And uh, those guys are definitely their tried true big three. Uh, Rookie Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver, has emerged as the number one option at wide receiver. And the defense has played extremely well. They're number two in sacks. Thank you, Chris Jones. 
They're tied for fifth in turnovers on downs. Basically, turnovers on downs means they make people punt a lot. Okay, mm-hmm. gives the ball back to their offense and keeps them on the plus side of, of um, time of possession. So they're fifth in turnovers on downs. They're second in yards against, and they're second in points against. That's basically elite. Great job by the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Been keeping them in games, keeping the ball in Mahomes' hands. Ah, I, I tell you the truth, man. Both teams finished 11 and 6. Dolphins for sure did not want to go on the road anywhere, let alone ice cold Kansas City. I cannot see them being able to pull out a win. I think the Chiefs are going to put it together. They're going to get their 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 playoff mojo going. And the Chiefs, uh, I will pick them to beat the Miami Dolphins. Well, Ben, what you said is what I said. This is the uh, intriguing game of the week blog. Okay. And uh, what did I say about the Dolphins are in a unique position of needing to start their starters even though they have a playoff position clinched. Right. If they win, they'll clinch the AFC East for the first time since 2008. They'll be the AFC's second seed and host Buffalo, Pittsburgh, or Jacksonville in the first round. Right. If they lose, they'll be the AFC's number six seed and play a first-round game at Kansas City, comma, possibly in frigid conditions. <laughs> right. So it's very important for them to win that game. And they did not accomplish that. And they did not accomplish that, man. That's crazy. That is crazy. So now they got to go play in the super-duper cold. And, uh, okay, well, you know, it is what it is. We shall see. All right. Steelers at Bills. Oh, Benny. Bias plus score 7.4 favors the Bills. And Mason Rudolph has been confirmed as the starting quarterback. He's sticking with the hot hand, as he said, he being the yeah. head coach. All right, what you got on these guys? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, it's probably the smart thing to do. Kenny Pickett, I believe, is healthy now. But, again, coming off an injury, been out for several weeks, I, I think if I was Tomlin, I would have done the same thing and stuck with Mason Rudolph. But anyway, the Steelers clinched. Ben, as bad as, as as much as I get on Mason Rudolph, I would have done the same thing also. Yeah, yeah. They clinched the seventh and last playoff seed in the AFC by virtue of their win over the Ravens last weekend and a surprising Titans victory over Jacksonville. Now, I'll tell you the truth. I picked Jacksonville. I didn't think there was any way the Titans would beat Jacksonville. And therefore, I I felt strongly that even if the uh, Ravens didn't play their starters and the Steelers somehow won the game, Jackson, a Jacksonville win over Tennessee would have still knocked them out of the playoffs. That did not happen. Jacksonville folded. The Titans won, and that vaulted the Steelers into the playoffs, and they grabbed that last number seven seed. Now, over the course of the season, they've been doing it with smoke and mirrors as far as, as, far as I'm concerned, uh, especially in the early part of the season as they struggled to score points and, in fact, got outscored several times but still 
pull the rabbit out of their hat on defense or something or kick return or whatever, whatever, and still got wins. Um, they couldn't find a quarterback that could lead the offense. Uh, when um, uh, when Kenny Pickett and Mr. Trubisky both had the shots, both had fair tries to get it done, and they couldn't get it done, they finally turned to Mason Rudolph. And when he got his chance, he definitely took advantage of it. He led the Steelers to three straight wins to close out the season. He's protected the ball with only one turnover. And the run game all of a sudden got rolling with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. And I tell you, Najee Harris didn't have a 100-yard game until just recently over the last three weeks. Um, the defense has been pretty solid all season, just outside the top 10 in sacks and interceptions, number 10 in fumble recoveries, number nine in points against. Not too bad, not too shabby for the old Steelers there. Now, at one point, Buffalo was five and six, and me jumping off of their bandwagon was looking like it was the right thing to do. But they finished the season strong, five consecutive wins, and they clinched the playoff spot, as well as winning the AFC East with a 21-14 win over the Dolphins last weekend. And they got the help that they needed from, again, the Titans beating the Jaguars. Boy, that was a big game, man. But two teams had a lot riding on that game. The Dolphins game was for the division title. And although they were missing a few playmakers, they were going for it. But the Bills down 14-7 came back in the second half, and they shut the Dolphins out completely. Now, they've been far more efficient offensively since they fired their OC, and they're getting their ground game more involved. The defense has been a top unit all season, fourth in sacks, tied for third in fumble recoveries, tied for second in interceptions, ninth in yards against, and fourth in points against. That is a strong, strong defense. I believe that the Steelers will go into Buffalo. Weather won't be an issue, obviously, but Bill's Mafia is going to be partying because the Bills are going to take the Steelers out. Oh, I thought you were going to go in the other direction there. Where you were nah, I can't. Down the Primrose path there. I can't. I can't. You know? But, I mean, let, let me let me say this. And this, this is, you know, it's kind of interesting. Over the past three weeks, Pittsburgh is second and average net points at plus 12 points. <laughs> You're killing me, man. Over the last three weeks, uh -huh. Pittsburgh is one, two, three, four, fifth in scoring at 27 points per game. Okay. Over the last three weeks, Pittsburgh is second and, uh, and points against at okay. 14.7, just behind Tampa Bay and just ahead of Kansas City, much less. Uh, where is Buffalo? They're 19 points per game. So kind of, you, you know, it pops in my, my head and, and just saying that there, the Rams, one of those things where it's just like this team is hot right now. Right. They're hot right now, so... 
Steelers at Bills. Bias plus score seven point four favors the Bills, and you are going with the bias. Yes, I didn't change your mind, did I? No, you did not. You know why? Because I just real quick looked up those last three weeks. They beat Cincinnati thirty-four to eleven. Cincinnati's pretty much dead in the water. They beat a wounded Seattle Seahawks team in a tough one, thirty to twenty-three. And they beat a Lamarless, starterless uh, Ravens team, seventeen to ten, and they just eat that one out by a touchdown, even though all the starters sat down. So, fool's gold, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> good Bills, work, good work. work. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I gave you, I gave you quantity. You gave me quality. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Not a problem. Not a problem. Okay, going with the Bills. Yes, sir. Packers at Cowboys by a score of 11.9. Favors the Cowboys over the This is Cowboys. a toughie. This is a toughie. That's a tough, you think it's a toughie? It's a tough game for the Packers or is it a tough pick? Which is, which are you saying here? I'm, when I say it's a toughie, I mean it's a tough one to pick. Really? I, I don't, now, this I think this should be a, an intriguing game candidate. Okay. But, you know, that's that's your decision. But anyway, uh, I'll go with the visitor first, of course, like I've been doing. So the Packers clinched their final spot in the NFC playoff bracket with their 17-9 to Week 18 victory over the Bears. Now, Packers started the season off 2-5. and five. That had me looking kind of sideways at Jordan Love because, you know, I already had – some issues with Jordan Love. But he made me a believer over the course of the season. In fact, they won seven of their last 10 games, including the last three in a row. And Jordan Love's been a major factor, throwing 18 touchdown passes and only one interception over his last eight games. I am very, very impressed with that. His wide receiver core is made up mostly of rookies and second-year players like Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and Romeo Dobbs. And running back, veteran running back Aaron Jones has run for 100-plus yards in the last three games also. So he was injured uh, a little while back, but he seems to be 100% again. Well, I guess this time of year, nobody's really 100%. But anyway, he's running well. 100-plus yards over the last three games. So he's going into playoffs feeling pretty good. Uh, defensively, they don't rank high in some of the counting stats, but they are tied for fourth in turnovers on downs. So they get the other offense off the field and get their offense back on the field pretty well, being fourth. And they're 13th in points against, which isn't great, but it's not terrible. Now, they got to go to Dallas to play the Cowboys. Dallas clinched the playoff spot way back in week 15, but they needed to win out and hope that Philly lost a couple of games to improve their seed and possibly win the NFC East. So the, the division title and a higher seed has always been in, uh, in contention between Dallas and the Eagles this season. But the Eagles did their part. And the Cowboys ended up winning. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, the Eagles did their part as far as Dallas was concerned by losing. <laughs> and the Cowboys ended up winning the, the division title and grabbing the number two seed, which is big for them because that's a couple home field uh, advantage type games. Um, let me see. Da, 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 da. They, they, they ran off 31 unanswered points against the Commanders in the week, week 18 game. So they left no doubt as far as uh, getting the win that they needed. Um, the leaders of this year's squad are playing extremely, extremely well. Dak Prescott, who last year threw 23 touchdowns, but led the league in interceptions with 15, has been MVP-ish this season, leading the league with 36 touchdowns, leading the league with 36 touchdowns and only nine interceptions. So all you Eagle fans who are just saying Dak Prescott sucks out of habit, look at the numbers, bro. He don't suck. He's playing great. 36 touchdowns, leads the entire NFL, and he's only thrown nine interceptions. Also this year, his connection with C.D. Lamb has been brilliant. Against the Commanders, Lamb caught all three of his targets for 98 yards, two touchdowns, and he finished the regular season with a league-high 135 receptions. The defense, again, we've been throwing the word elite around. I've been throwing the word elite around. I'm going to throw it around one more time. Tied for third in interceptions. Third in turnovers on downs. First in defensive touchdowns. Mm. Fifth in yards against and fifth in points against. That's an elite defense. And on top of that, they don't lose at home. So you can chalk this one up for the Packers. Cowboys winning. Cowboys going with the bias, going with the Cowboys. Yes, sir. All righty, all righty, all righty. What do we got up next here, Benny? Let's see. Oh, this has got to be the intriguing game of the week. Ding, ding, the ding, ding, the ding, ding, ding. Yes, <laughs> the intriguing game. This is it right here. Drama and mayhem at all levels. Um, we even we even have an article about our man Pete Carroll. They had some movement up there in Seattle. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Rams at Lions. Why am I talking about Seattle? I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> Rams at Lions. Seattle got nothing to do with it. Bias plus score of two point eight. Two point eight favors the Lions. Ooh. Ooh. So let's see what we got here. Okay. The visiting team will be the Los Angeles Rams. They don't have to travel cross country. They're only traveling to uh, mid part of the country. And they will be playing indoors. So weather will have nothing to do with this game. The Rams clinched their playoff spot by beating the Giants and by virtue of the Steelers beating the Seahawks. Both those games happened in week 17. So they did clinch a playoff spot in week 17. Uh, they needed some help to do it, and they got that help by virtue of the Steelers beating the Seahawks. Uh, they defeated the Niners week 18, 
Obviously, the Niners had everything locked up, so they didn't play a lot of their starters. Um, but that win locked them into the number six seed, which is not a bad spot. Right now, the Rams are arguably one of the hottest teams in football. They've won seven of their last eight games. That ain't no joke. And Matt Stafford has looked unstoppable. Cooper Cup is having an average year as far as Cooper Cup is concerned. Uh, he missed the first four games with an injury, and he's not getting the kind of target volume that he used to get because of sensational rookie Puka Nakua. Nakua has broken the all-time rookie record. Oh, he broke two all-time rookie records, excuse me. One for receptions in a rookie year and one for catches. One for receptions and one for catches. Do you believe I said that? One for receptions. He had 105 catches. And he also broke the record for yards, 1,486 yards. I believe that record belonged to Jalen Waddle, uh, who just said it last year. So he came in and broke that. 105 catches ain't no joke. And what did Robin say to Batman when he heard those stats? He said, holy puka nakua. Oh, Batman. <laughs> Woo. Now, almost as impressive as Puka Nakua's season is second-year running back Kyron Williams. He's not a rookie. I thought this guy was a rookie. He was on the team last year and didn't get no run. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. But this guy's had an outstanding season. He's been an emerging star from the start of the season all the way up to the end. Uh, he went over 1,000 yards rushing. He scored 12 touchdowns. Defensively, the Rams haven't put up great numbers in sacks and turnovers. But they are tied for sixth in turnovers on downs, which is pretty good. And they're eighth in yards against and 19th in points against. Man, this is a tough one, not to mention that you got the Stafford from the Lions going to the Rams and Goff going from the Rams to the Lions, and then Stafford going back to Detroit to play Goff and the Lions in the playoffs. Oh. Yeah, just, you, you know, you pointed this out, Benny. I'm thinking, wait a minute, the Rams have to go to Detroit Yes. I'm so used to everybody going out there because they've been so successful, but they got to travel. Yes. Oh, yes. my goodness. Well, you know, the, the Lions 12-5, and five, that's, a, that's a great record for them. The Lions have had an outstanding season. The only problem is their defense is a little. <laughs> Points. As you pointed out, and as I noticed, I pointed out, that scares me a little bit. And when I look at how their defense scares me, with how impressive Matt Stafford has been, I'm going to pick the Rams to go into Detroit and upset the Lions. Oh, baby. Uh-oh. <laughs> Well, that would make for a very – that's why it's a very intriguing game. You've got these scenarios going on. You know, the Lions have been the Lions pretty much all season. But this is a new-look Rams team now over the last few yeah. games. So we got to see what's going to happen, these boys. And you got – man, holy pooping the cool Batman. What an intriguing game. 
Ben's going against the bias, going with the Rams coming into Detroit. Yeah. The problems. All righty. Eagles at Buccaneers. Bias plus score 5.5 favors the Buccaneers. Oh, my goodness. This... Oh, wait. The Bucs are favored? Yeah. <laughs> the Bucs are favored. 5.5. And Holy yet, again, we saw where the Eagle defense was. You know, their offense is 12th. You know, somewhere around it. it's close to the top ten, but it's maybe just barely in the top ten. Um, but that makes your net points low, you know. Mm. And uh, defense hasn't been the big problem for the Buccaneers. You know, we, we see we see what Baker can do. So I'm gonna let you carry it from here. But yeah, the Bucks are favored by a bias plus score of five point five. <laughs> wow. So the Eagles got a trap. I I know I'm getting old, so my memory ain't what it used to be. But I cannot, for the life of me, remember a collapse as monumental as the one the Eagles have suffered to end this regular season. I can remember the Phillies collapsing back in the 60s when it looked like they were going to win the pennant. And they were far and away ahead of everybody. And they went on a crazy losing streak and ended up not winning it. I remember that. I remember, I remember the year the Sixers only won 13 games out of, 80, out of 82. But that collapse happened in the beginning of the season. I don't ever remember anything in the NFL for any team that's happened like what's happened to the Eagles. They started the season 10 and one with the hopes of winning the NFC East and competing for the number one seed. You couldn't tell their fans they weren't going to do both. They lost five of their last six and they finished as the five seed. Along the way, they lost to a three win Arizona Cardinals team and a five win New York Giants team that they barely beat two weeks previous to losing to them. Jalen Hurts has been playing through a knee injury almost the entire season. Then in the Giants game, he dislocated his middle finger on his throwing hand. A.J. Brown sustained a knee injury in the same game. Devontae Smith sat out the game with a sprained ankle. And cornerback Darius Slay had his knee scooped back in mid-December. These guys are beat up. However, they are all expected to play in this wild card game against the Buccaneers. Um, not to mention the coaching issues on this team. And that's that's a discussion that we could go on for hours. So I'm not even going to bother to get that deep into that. Defensively, the Eagles have been poor in the turnover department. They really haven't done themselves any help uh, with turnovers. They're tied for fifth in turnovers on downs, which isn't bad. But they're 26th in yards against and 30th in points against. That's piss poor. I'm sorry. Buccaneers in a tightly contested NFC South were able to win the division title 
and lock up the number four seed. Uh, they did it with a three field goal, nine to nothing win over the Carolina Panthers. I know a lot of people are saying, wow, they could only beat the Panthers nine to nothing. They had to kick three field goals. That's the best they could do. But guess what? They got the job done as far as I'm concerned. And it's not like the Panthers were laying down for anybody because they weren't. Okay. Not a very impressive finish to the regular season, but they did win five of their last six. And although it wasn't very pretty, Baker Mayfield actually had a solid season. When I looked at the numbers, I was a little bit surprised. He went over 4,000 yards passing. That's great. He threw for 200, uh, 200. He threw for 28 touchdowns. And most impressive of all to me, he only had 10 interceptions, 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. That's a great touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, rookie running back Rashad White earned his keep, finishing 10 yards short of 1,000 in rushing, along with 64 receptions for an additional 549 yards. Rashad White is named to remember as a dual-purpose back. This kid's going to be good. Chris Godwin went over 1,000 yards. Even in what I would consider a down year for him, he still passed 1,000 yards. And Mike Evans went over 1,200 and had 13 touchdowns. Mike Evans has always been a touchdown machine. Um, Tampa Bay's defense was solid, but not spectacular. They tied for seventh in sacks. They tied for third in fumble recoveries. They tied for seventh in interceptions. So they, they do get turnovers. They tied for seventh again in turnovers on downs, 23rd in yards against, so they can be run on, but they're eighth in points against, so they keep teams out of the end zone. I like Tampa Bay to take the Eagles out of their misery. Uh, it's time for this mess to end. Uh, like I said, their defense has been solid, but not spectacular. They can be run on, but the Eagles don't run the doggone ball. <laughs> so, you know, any problems that the Eagles have, and I've been trying to tell their fans this, cannot be fixed in one week. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. I, I, I don't see it. I think the Buccaneers are going to beat the Eagles and move on. Through well, that's, a, that's a, a tough um, – and Buccaneer wide receiver group is a tough group to match up with for any team. Yes, it is, especially for defense with two corners that are struggling, one coming off a knee surgery and the other one coming off of burnt toast, being scraped with a knife. <laughs> so, you know, Baker might be salivating a bit down there. Like, you know, okay, we got some matchups that I can really exploit. Um, the Eagles be down there. Now, again, you said, you said Jalen has a knee issue, so he's not doing a lot of running. He's not making the defense play 11 on 11 a lot. Well, they still try to do it. But you can tell when he's running, he's looking for some place to lay down or get out of bounds. He's not as, yeah, he's not as dynamic a runner as he was last season. And I, I'm not mad at him about that, you know. Um, and then, and then we have the Philly shove, you know, the tush push. Yeah, but you know what? When you mentioned that a couple of weeks ago and how great you thought it was. Remember what I said. If your offense isn't clicking, you're going to find your opportunities to do that play. 
a little bit less and less. It's a great play as long as you're able to get yourself in position to run it. They yeah. haven't done that. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm looking I'm look, I'm looking for the first you know seventy yard tush push drive. <laughs> that means a lot of third and shorts. You know what I mean? Well, they don't get third and shorts. Well, we shall see. We shall see. But if you're going uh, with the bite, excuse me, going against the the Eagles, and you know what's really weird, Benny. Um, the net points and the turnover differential, uh, before I calculated anything, were both 1.1. And I kept looking at it as like, is that right? Is this right? Is that right? Now, of course, turnover differential gets bumped up, you know, when right. I ran calculation. So that really bumped the numbers up, you know, 1.1, and then you add, you know, 1.1 times 4, you know, and you get up to that 5.5. So a lot of the uh, that bias is kind of made up by the turnover differential mm -hmm. value of those particular points. So we'll see how that all works out. But Benny, wild card weekend, six games. How many on Saturday? I believe we have two on Saturday. Okay. And four on Sunday. Okay. Wait a minute. I think we might even have a Monday game. Oh, my bad. The Eagles play on Monday night. It's Eagles Bucks is Monday. Yes. Eagles Bucks is Monday. They are the Monday night. Yeah. I knew I took a thing. It's a Monday night game. Because I remember you and I talking about the end of the Mondays and the Thursdays. And yeah, they <laughs> I tell you, <laughs> the Eagle fans that are that are on this conspiracy theory about their schedule. And there's short periods of rest in between several games during the season. Now they're looking at if by chance they were able to win, they would have to go to their next playoff game on a short week also. So they're really sticking it to them, man. What a shame. Yeah, we got two games Saturday, Browns, Texans, Dolphins, Chiefs, and then one, two, three on Sunday. Yep. Pittsburgh, um, Buffalo, Green Bay, Dallas, yeah. and Rams. One at one, one at four thirty, one at eight, and one then four, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's no more red zone, gang. We got single games now. We can really bear down and watch what's going on. Yeah, I love it, man. You can actually watch the whole game. You know, yep. The 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 play by play tactical maneuvers and all of that kind of stuff. You can see things as they begin to trends as they begin to you know show themselves and stuff like that so and then monday night the eagles national tv espn abc Bruh. raymond james stadium in florida as desiree would say fire the cannons oh that's right desi the tampa bay yeah. Oh my goodness. Every time they score, they fire the cannons on the pirate ship. They sure do. They sure do. All right, Benny. That wraps up the Bias Plus reports for the wild card weekend, which leaves us one piece of business before we look at our social media. And you know what that is, Benny. That would be the NFL awards. Yeah. 
No, it's the Bias Plus Buster of the Week. Oh, how could I forget that? Oh, it's the New York Giants. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats Bro. to the New York football Giants with a Bias Plus Buster score of 24.3. Laid it on those boys. Hammered them. Hammered them. Made them quit. Made them quit. Oh, Bro. too funny, too I, funny. You know, I go, I go in the gym, and I have my hats on, and I have my shirts on to work out, you know, and people are looking at me, ah, your team sucks, ah. They're walking around the gym, E, A, G, women and men, all season long. I went in there Monday, wasn't Mayor Eagle hat, shirt, or sweatshirt. None. <laughs> Zero. Zero. Oh my God. And you know, our friend Mark, he he he's already predicting that uh if they don't, you know, if they lose this game, everybody's gone. Syriani. Uh, everybody's gone. They'll get rid of all of them guys, all them bums. Hell of a fan. Hell of a fan. Hell, Hell of a fan. He's the worst fan ever, man. Oh my God. Too funny. Too funny. All right. Congratulations to your New York Giants. Way to wrap up the season. That was our Super Bowl. I'll take it. I'll take it. Think I won't? I'll take it. Hey, look. Hey, look, man. Look, there was peace in the valley. The only only football post, eagle post I see for the most part now are people saying, I'm still a fan. I still, still, I'm with you. You know, I'll say, okay. <laughs> too funny, too funny. All right. Let's take a quick look at, at our uh, Facebook page, talk about a few things before we move along, Dunny. We talked a little bit about the uh, players that can hit bonuses and incentives in week 18. Uh, we talked a little bit about that. So, again, Ben and Barry on football on Facebook. You can find that article, find some of that, see who got paid for week 18. Playoffs? Playoffs? You're talking about playoffs. <laughs> I don't know what sounds, you know, it, it reminds me of um, Alan Iverson. Practice. <laughs> <laughs> we don't yeah, those, about the playoffs. Those go down in the annals of the great interviews. You know what I'm saying? And Betty, I just wanted to remind people of why we're what what this is all about. Why we lift all of those weights, as they say. That's right. You know, it ain't about the playoffs. It ain't about the regular season. The Super Bowl, the freaking Super Bowl, man. Yes, sir. All right. Just wanted to make sure we we said that. All right, Ron. We knew it was coming. Anything on Ron? Benny. Black Monday. Everybody knew Ron Revere was gone. They uh, gave him enough respect to let him finish out the season. They had already fired his coordinators, so he knew he was next, but they did let him finish out the season. That was a good thing. My question is, and like I said earlier, you know, Magic Johnson is part owner. Uh, Josh Harris, who owns the Sixers, is also a majority owner, I believe. Um, for, for the commanders, they've put together this gigantic committee 
of so-called experts uh, to do this head coach search. I hope that Eric Bieniemy gets the first interview. But I got heard his name and really being brought up as a strong candidate. To be quite honest with you, I I, I got a funny feeling it's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. All right. You talked about it. Falcons fire Smith after another playoff less year. Yep. I put the fire under his seat weeks ago. Just got hotter and hotter and hotter. And uh, it was it was only a matter of time. Again, the owner down there is a nice guy. I think he felt like, you know what, I'm going to let him finish out the season, see how he does. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to let this guy go and start looking for a new uh, head coach. So I'm assuming that if he goes, his staff will go, and there'll be a whole new coaching staff in Atlanta next year. New brain trust in Atlanta. Question is, will that brain trust include Ritter? <laughs> well, you know how it is when you bring in a new brain trust. Yeah. If they didn't draft the guy, they have no allegiance to him. That's right. That's right. Uh, just want to re remind everybody, spring football is right around the corner with the United Football League. That's where you've got your XFL and your USFL coming together to form a, a strong league that uh, they say they want to make sure that every year you can depend on having spring football. So I like that. I think that's a good thing. I, I, I'll tell you the truth, man. I thought the XFL season last year was really good. And I thought the USFL season was pretty good, too. Now that they're putting these things together, I can't, I mean, I will find it hard to believe that spring football is going to be damn good this season. I'm going to be tuned in. Uh, you and me both. You and me both. Um, yeah. We have to I'm looking for some you good show. You like the Philly Stars, right? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. I'm not sure who I like yet. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I have to choose a team. Another firing. This time it went up to the GM, Panthers GM, Scott Fitterer. Done. <laughs> Out. So the coach is gone, the GM's gone, starting fresh. Yeah, I, I can't believe that they didn't get rid of this guy when they let Frank Wright go. Why keep him around? You're not going to let him make any decisions. You know what I mean? Good question. Maybe it has something to do with contracts. You never know. So Frank Wright they got rid of the interim coaches are now gone or the interim head coach is now gone and the GM is now gone. So again, the Panthers are starting off fresh. I'm sure that they're going to look for an offensive minded head coach that they think can develop Bryce Young. So that's, that's the direction that they'll be going. In. They better. <laughs> they better find something. They didn't. That's a first round pick that they got there. All right, Benny, we talked a little bit about this. <laughs> it's hilarious. You got to love Jameis. You got to love Jameis. So apparently, um, it was a decision for the running back who had not scored all year. They were at the goal line. They were told to take, told to take a, a knee, victory formation, but decided to turn around and hand the ball off to the running back who crashed over the line, got the, got the score. So he did finish it with a, with a touchdown. 
it caused the uh, <laughs> the Falcons coach to go ballistic, running out to the middle of the field, cussing the head coach out, not yes. knowing what happened. And uh, now the team, from what I understand, and Jimmy Graham speaking out, is firmly behind Jameis. They're like, he's a team guy. We love Jameis. We want him around. We want you to know it was a team decision. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. All right. All right. Number one. Uh-oh. The head coach of the Falcons. He knew he was going to be fired. But even if he wasn't going to be fired, I think him going ballistic at the end of the game over this particular play was definitely warranted. Now, when they say a team decision, I have to wonder, did they talk about it? On the, did the players kind of whisper about it amongst themselves on the sideline? seeing how the game was going and knowing that eventually they were going to end the game in, in victory formation and that if they did, they wanted to get Jamal Williams a touchdown. You got to remember, last year Jamal Williams was on the Lions. He led the league in rushing touchdowns. Then he comes to the Saints and has zero touchdowns for the season. So I understand why they wanted to try to get him a touchdown. However, if Shannon Sharp said he should have been cut immediately. Jameis? Yes. Okay. But taking that upon himself, this is, this is the feeling I get. I think it was his idea. I think he said something to the, some of the offensive players, and it was like, yeah, yeah, man, we need to get him a touchdown. This is where he went wrong. You don't line up in victory and then run the ball. Because when you line up in victory, you're telling the other team that you're going to take a knee. I don't have a problem with him wanting to get Jamal Williams a touchdown. But what I would have done was, since he's going to go against what the coach called anyway, he should have shifted out into a regular offensive formation, letting the defense know that we're going to run a freaking play, y'all, and then hand it to him. But because they wanted to make sure that he scored, they stayed in victory, expecting the defensive line to relax a little bit, and then they ran him over and scored. That's deception. That's deception. And deception is not supposed to be allowed in the NFL. What? Deception That's, is not allowed in the NFL. That is correct. Oh, my God. Deception is at the core of everything they do. What are you talking well, about? There's a, there's a difference between showing a, a defense and then shifting into something else. Ah. And actually, it goes back to the whole Lions-Cowboys thing with the guy coming in and checking in with the ref about being uh, an eligible receiver, okay? If you don't do that and you come out there with number 70 on 
and line up on the end of the line and run a pass route and score a touchdown. That's deception. Well, I'll say this much. Um, it's a copycat league. I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody copy it. <laughs> no, nobody's going to copy that. All right, all right. Nobody's going to copy that. That's that's I, that's borderline uh, disrespect, uh, bad sportsmanship, as far as I'm concerned. Let's talk about Garrett Wilson taking a blowtorch to the Jets coaching staff. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Benny, I will say this much. As far as team management is concerned, what I saw from the Jets was terrible team management. I just saw them so often, too many people, that they lined up in the wrong places, the formation is not right, that all types of stuff going on, really crazy decisions. Um, I think I told you they had to, they were losing the one game. It was a few seconds left when they I'm not sure if it was a halftime. They lined up in, you know, in the all go like this one touchdown is gonna do something in these next few seconds. And it was just why would you even risk injury to your to your players on that? In any event, you have anything on this? Absolutely. The whole problem with the New York Jets was the offense, not the defense. People were raving about their defense coming into the season and thinking Aaron Rodgers would make the difference on offense and that this team could really go far. When he got hurt, there's no reason in the world that this offense that has playmakers would be trash. You can blame it on Zach Wilson if you want to. You can blame it on Trevor Simeon if you want to. I'm sure yeah, they're obviously lackluster players, and, and, and we shouldn't expect any greatness out of them. But the root of all evil on this offense is the same root of all evil on the Denver Broncos offense last season that Sean Payton spoke on and got chastised for, but he was not lying. As the young boys would say, no cat. <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett is a freaking bum. <sighs> Nathaniel Hackett stinks and should not be coaching high school football, let alone NFL football. <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett is a quarterback coach who has no place being an offensive coordinator. None. Tell me how you really feel, baby. That's how I feel. That's how you feel. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. With the J-E-T-S, Jess, 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 the only team I have any family to play for. Um, this Dysfunctional. Ben saying it's mainly the offense. Uh, okay. All right. Let's see now. So what happened with your man, Wink Martindale? One uh, minute he's in, he's not out yet. His people is out, but he's not out. What's going on? So they let some of his assistants go, and he didn't like that. He's a very loyal guy. He feels like if my guys can't stay, I can't stay either. Uh, now, officially he resigned. Is that correct? <clears throat> You know, this is what they're kind of saying, but, you know, it, it's only official when you sign the paper. You can say what you want, but if you ain't signed no papers, you ain't did nothing. 
Oh, okay. Signing the papers. I think he stormed out. Okay. So he's still on the payroll. Yeah, he's got some contract issues, man. And from what I understand, okay. um, <clears throat> if he quits, the Giants have a say as to where he can go. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So there's some things going on there. They, they owe him $3 million, I think. He's got a $3 million contract. It's last year's contract. But okay. One of the clauses in the contract. Okay. So, uh, yeah, they... We'll see how that all works out, but yeah, okay. kind of out, yeah, one foot out, but it could get. Yeah, I, I I like Wink, I do. Um, I think he would have did even better if, in fact, um, I think one more draft and getting him a couple, a little bit more talent over on that defense would have did him justice. He does blitz a lot, um, probably more than he should, but I think he feels like he's not getting enough pressure on these quarterbacks, which is extremely important. He's not getting that from his front four, so he has to blitz a lot. Um, he had some success. Giants had some success on defense, but, you know, they, they got a bunch of issues, so obviously they didn't have a great season. Uh, I hate to see him go. Um but I, I can understand how he feels. If, if it's a loyalty thing and they're not going to keep some of his assistance and he wants to go because of that, I'm sure he'll resurface and bring those guys along somewhere uh, in the near future. All righty. That's Wink. Former coach of the year. <laughs> Mike Rabel, out. They want somebody new. Well, they fired him, but I have a funny, I could be wrong, but I have a funny feeling that this is the first domino to fall in the Bill Belichick out of New England, Mike Rabel into New England. Okay. That's, that's, that's how I see it. All right. And the funny thing is, some people are like, well, you know, he's from the Belichick coaching tree. He might not want to do it. Nah. He's not the same coaching-wise as Belichick is. He played for Belichick. He did not coach under Belichick. So to me, he's not under the Belichick coaching tree. Okay. All right. He's I think a good move for New England if they do. I don't know if they will or not. That's what I'm speculating. Speculation, eh? Yes, sir. <laughs> Jaguars Mike Caldwell and staff reportedly fired. Everybody out. That's the defensive coordinator, correct? Yes, sir. Man. I'm so disappointed in the Jaguars. I, I really, really am. I had them picked in my preseason uh, predictions for going to the playoffs and kind of possibly going far. After what they did last year, I thought Dougie P had this team on the right course. Um, unfortunately, Trevor Lawrence didn't play as well as I thought he would. 
Um, the defense didn't definitely didn't play as well as I thought they would. If this guy gets fired and the whole defensive staff is out, they're going to have to revamp that. I have no idea what direction they're going in. This is one that I'm going to have to watch and see how it goes. But yeah, they 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 didn't get the job done. All right, some end of season picks. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Pete Carroll got kicked upstairs, Benny. Yeah, this one was a surprise. <laughs> From what I understand, he fought for it to, to maintain his coaching job. He wanted to keep it. But no, really? he's a special advisor, buddy. A special advisor. Okay, so I, I didn't I, I didn't have a chance because I was doing some other stuff uh, to get into the, the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. I didn't know that he was really that adamant about continuing to be the head coach. But if, in fact, the decision was made for him to get him off the sideline, but they're going to kick him upstairs and make him some kind of an advisor or a consultant or something like that and keep him in the organization, I think that's a good move. All right. Well, you know, it's, it's good because, in a way, it's that continuity from generation to generation, you know? Right. That's you kind of, if you can get it, that's really good. I mean, every business needs a succession plan. Right. And uh, so, not mad, not mad, not bad. Everyone from NBC to Amazon will be paying attention because the Chiefs, uh, who is it that the Chiefs are playing? Chiefs are playing the Dolphins. Right. And if you want to see it, you have to subscribe to Peacock. Okay. I have Peacock. You have Peacock? Yes. Well, I might come over to your house and watch it then, because I'm not subscribing to no damn Peacock. That's I got cool. enough streaming stuff. So I'll be over at Ben's house. You're not getting another membership out of me. And apparently this is rubbing people the wrong way. I've actually complained. I don't think I don't even like that when they do the Thursday night on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I don't I don't like that either. I, in fact, I I you know the, my daughters put stuff on my television and move stuff around and all because they're they're movie buffs and 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 uh, they watch all those reality shows and stuff. So I had Amazon Prime on the downstairs TV, but not on the upstairs TV. So if my wife wanted to watch something downstairs, I couldn't watch Thursday Night Football. That has been rectified, but I understand what you're, what you're saying. Um, yeah. You know, I, I like this. It's money, bro. Make it, make it that much more accessible. So there's a lot of people who only stream nowadays. They don't have cable. You know, right. that, so, yeah, it should be on Amazon Prime. It should be on Peacock, but not at, you know, exclusively. It can still right. be on broadcast TV. I should still be able to watch this game. Yeah, it should be on both. I, you know, I, I've got NFL channel and I've got all the channels and all of that stuff. I'm spending money with you, you know, one way or the other. I should be able to see this game. And I should Absolutely. be another streaming service. It's Taylor Swift's fault. It is not. No, it's <laughs> 
first. All right, Benny. You want me to go first here? I tell you what. Let's. I'm going to let you go first, and I'm going to come back and tell you if I agree or disagree. Let's start with, and and what we're about to do is the regular season awards. After the regular season has just ended, unlike the NFL, who waits damn near to the Super Bowl before they announce their awards, we do not want to be swayed by playoff uh, stuff. We want to give regular season awards to the people that we feel deserve them for what they did in the regular season. So let's start with comeback player of the year. Who do you like? Joe Flacco is my comeback player of the year. And especially because I was so tough on him when he was with the Jets. I used to call him a statue all the time and everything. Yes. But if you can come back, put up 30 points, take a nap, you know, <laughs> You got it. You got it. You got my comeback player of the year. Sure. He's taking he's taking power naps on the sideline. When most quarterbacks will be looking at the tablet, trying to figure out what they're going to do on the next possession. This guy's nodding off. Yeah. <laughs> and look, he's like, I don't need no stinking wristband. <laughs> just give me five good plays. I'm okay. I'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, I agree with you. I also like Joe Flacco for comeback player of the year. We'll keep these and we'll compare these to when the NFL does their award show. But yes, I do agree with you. Joe Flacco is also my comeback player of the year. Next. Wait, wait, before you go, and let me oh, I'm sorry. Thing. Do you remember that Joe Flacco was was one of our stars on the uh on the series best a job in the NFL backup quarterbacks? Yes, he was. He was a star because he had already earned like $140 million. Right, still right, right. A million here and a million there. Right. We were like, Joe Flacco, you have the greatest job in the world. <laughs> you are the highest paid backup quarterback with an earphone and a clipboard in your hand. What a job. What a job. What a job. Okay. So who's next now? Next up, we got Coach of the Year. Well, I'm going to admit to being a bit biased. <laughs> so I'm going with D'Amico Ryans. Because as you said, he's the, the quarterback's throwing to, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who's that, that guy? guy? They don't even know half the names. Exactly. The receivers that he's throwing to. He's got a rookie uh, um, quarterback that's taking him to the wild card playoffs. He came into a dysfunctional organization, top up, yes. top down. What the hell was going on with the tights? People were trying to get out of there, you know. And and he's got some some beasts on defense over there. So he's going to be up to up to his uh, up to his armpits and alligators with the Browns, but. I think he did an excellent job. I'm going to Nico Ryans. Again, I agree with you. Oh, I love oh, Ryans, geez. coach of the year, ex-defensive coordinator for San Francisco 49ers, ex-linebacker and play caller on the field for the Houston Texans, the team that he now coaches. Absolutely, D'Amico Ryans is my coach of the year.
All right. Let's Next go. up, this is where we're going to start to differ here, I'm sure. <laughs> Defensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive Rookie of the Year might be a bit of a surprise to you. Okay. I, I have to always say that when it comes to personnel situations, I, I always uh, kind of lean toward you because you do the uh, the fantasy thing, which you get more into the particular roster, the personnel, as opposed to me doing necessarily net point power rankings, where I, I basically am operating on a team basis for the most part. Right. So this is for who now? Defensive Rookie of the Year? Yes. Devin Witherspoon, Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> I see you've been doing some homework. Good job. Good job. Devin Witherspoon, Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Okay. My division. If you remember, which I'm sure you don't because I barely do, all the way back when we did our draft video, our draft show, I talked about Devin Witherspoon, where he was going to get picked, who he was going to get picked by, and how I thought he was going to be a really good player coming in right away. And he was. I really liked Devin Witherspoon. However, I did not pick him. Okay. I picked, again, from the Houston Texans, Will Anderson. <laughs> I thought about Will. I really did. I really yeah, Will Anderson, edge rusher. And I tell you, I was torn because there was a guy I looked up that I had forgotten about. Uh, oh, man, I can't remember his last name. His first name is Kobe. He plays for the Rams. Okay. Okay, he's, he's a detail. He's a nose tackle, in fact. But I went with Will Anderson, 29 solo tackles, seven sacks. I picked him for defensive rookie of the year. He's really come on down the stretch here, coming to the playoffs. He's played extremely well. And, you know, he's a real bright spot on that defense that I'm sure is going to get better and better with D'Amico Ryans as the head coach. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Now, I think we're going to match up on this one. I got a funny feeling. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yes. C.J. Stroud. No doubt. <laughs> you know what? I just knew. I thought you were going to pick Puka. Well, you know, um, Puka is like the next guy, you know. Absolutely. And But, um, first of all, he's a quarterback. Okay. Right. That makes a difference. That makes a difference. I mean, he's, yeah. he's got all yeah. the responsibility. Yes. Throwing some dimes out there. That, yes. I mean, Joe Flacco is, is looking at him going, wow, that's a nice pass. <laughs> that yes. Pulling dimes nowadays. Right. So, um, that's going to be interesting to see him, when, you know, one of the youngest players in the league, a rookie going up against one of the oldest players in the league. Guy's got more experience than half the People on that offense, if you added all their years up, you got more experience than most of those guys. Somebody Absolutely. said something that was it was funny, and I wasn't sure what team they were talking about, but this could be one of those types of teams where they're like everybody was born after the year two thousand. Oh wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Meanwhile, Flacco's thirty eight. Man, I'm telling you, he, 
Even we didn't play till 38. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. The only person played till 38 was our kicker. You're Glenn, right. <laughs> right. Oh, man. So well, who do you have? I got CJ Stroud. Okay. <laughs> Same guy. We do agree. I was, I, I almost, I tell you, when I was doing the uh, Bias Plus reports and picking and putting down my information for the matchups, I was looking at the records that Puka Nakua broke. And just, I mean, I had him on several of my fantasy teams. In fact, I have him on my main team that's still alive right now. Uh, this guy's been phenomenal, man. The records he broke, the catches he made, the touchdowns he scored, the impact that he's had for the Rams over the course of the season. It was hard to go against him. But C.J. Stroud not only is a quarterback, but we both thought he should have been the number one pick overall. He's turned out to be far better. Not Bryce Young's fault, but he's turned out to be far better than Bryce Young. He's the head of an entire culture change, him and D'Amico Ryans, uh, an entire culture change in Houston. And it's not like he was pretty good. 4,108 yards, 4,108 yards passing, 23 touchdowns, only five interceptions, bro. A rookie quarterback. Only five interceptions, and he missed two games to injury. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. No doubt about it, C.J. Stroud has got to win offensive rookie of the year. All right. Now, let's move on. Now we're getting to the big guys. Defensive player of the year. Who you got? Well, this is a guy that I call the Hulk. Oh, here we go again. As far as I'm concerned. And his name rhymes with my dad, spells it different, but that would be one Miles Garrett. Okay, okay. The Hulk. <laughs> ridiculous, man. You know. Guess what? You got me again. What? I like Miles Garrett. Oh, my goodness. This is I, and I tell you what, I tried not to pick him. I tried, but I couldn't do it. 33 solo tackles. He's got 70-something assisted tackles. But he had 33 solo tackles, 14 sacks, four forced fumbles. Miles Garrett, without a doubt, is my defensive player to you. And he successfully leaped over the uh, line and blocked the punt. Oh, blocked the field goal. Oh my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> That's unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable athleticism um, for a guy that size. I'm telling you, I'm telling Crazy. you. Crazy. Okay. Oh, man, I think we're gonna agree again here. Offensive, Offensive player of the year. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna agree, Benny. You don't? No, I don't. I'm going with Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Why do you think we're not agree going to agree? Who do you think I took? 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, nah, he can't pick Christian too. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, again, I'm a Niner fan. That's my squad, you know. And I play with the Niners. And the skill level that this guy has on the game, the virtual skill level, uh, if it's anything like the real skill level, and you see him in the real game, he's got hands first and foremost. He's got hands as good as any receiver. He can run routes. He's running between the tackles. He's running wide. He's running with some power, you know. He, he, whatever you need done. And like I always say, I don't think it's anything Debo can do that Christian McCaffrey can't do, except get, you know, I think Christian McCaffrey, I'd rather him send him up the middle than Debo. I don't like sending Debo up the middle. But long story short, yeah, Christian McCaffrey makes such a difference. When he's in there, he makes such a difference. Um, I, I, you know, I like, I like Purdy, um, but I do believe that Purdy is as good as his front line. If you block for him, he is magnificent. If you don't, unlike uh, Lamar, you know, um, he's not going to just completely just run away from him. He doesn't have that level of athleticism. Now, he's got a level of athleticism. I'm not saying he don't have it, you know, but, I, you know, for the Not like that. Yeah, when I've seen him have problems, it's been because the line is the Eagles when they hurt him. The line, yeah. they lost it at the line of scrimmage. When they, when they played the Ravens, they lost it at the line of scrimmage. So uh, that's what I believe is part of his limitation. And if he can work around that, go get him in that Super Bowl for us. You know, we look six here, baby. But I'm going with Christian McCaffrey, and you are also a. Eh? I am also taking Christian McCaffrey. 1,459 yards rushing, 14 touchdowns rushing. This is the big one, like you said, 67 receptions. He outcaught a whole ton of receivers. <laughs> 67 catches, 564 yards, and seven touchdowns on receptions. What's that? Seven, 11. That's 21 touchdowns. That's crazy. 21 touchdowns and 1459 plus 564. Is that 2000? It's close. You know? It's Unbelievable. Close. Unbelievable, man. Tremendous. And this is from a guy who people thought his season, his career was almost over yeah. because of injuries. Yeah. For him to come back strong like this and put up these kind of numbers is tremendous. Tremendous. Now, I don't know who's going to get picked for the NFL honors when the show comes on. I know they're going to have a tough time again with Puka Nakua on this one because he put up some great numbers too. Plus, he was a rookie. But Christian McCaffrey is just I think he's unbelievable. Well, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I'm with you there. We were that was one of the traits of the uh century, <laughs> at least the decade, because you know, when we got him, I was like, holy mackerel. So yeah. all righty, Benny. All right, last but not least, MVP. I I've already said his name once. Uh, I used his name in comparison to my own quarterback. 
and that is one Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I'm saying Lamar because, again, if you can make a team play 11-on-11 football, you have a decided advantage. And he can do that at probably at, at a level of uh, – only person really that I see with that level of athleticism or close to it is Josh Allen. You know? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. And uh, and now he's passing the ball in the new offense. He has a new offensive coordinator. His his passing is is, is better. His use of the pocket is better. I'm watching him, you know, use the pocket. Like just step away from it, ring around, stop, throw the ball. Those things. Remember, I kept saying to you, some of these guys start running to the sideline. They just keep running. They run out yeah. of the sideline. You know, he doesn't do that. And he just, you know, he gets, creates his space, stops and and fires that ball, man. And he's, you know, he's getting it done. Um, they are number one and I believe net points for the league um, at the end of the regular season. So you got to give them props for that. And so, you know, they are the big bad wolf. They are the team that, I don't care if you're in the AFC or the NFC, you're probably going to have to go through Baltimore if you want to win the Super Bowl right now. Absolutely. So much of that is, is Lamar. I agree 100%. I'm also taking Lamar Jackson as my MVP. Um, he doesn't have the best passing stats. Uh, there's, there's other quarterbacks that have thrown for more yardage and have thrown for more touchdowns. But what he does for his team, and again, this is something that I think when people think about MVP, they forget. It's the most valuable player for the team that you're on. They never put that part in, okay? Without Lamar, only because they were careful about who they picked to be their backup, they would still have a chance, but there's no way they would be as dynamic offensively as they are with Lamar. If they don't have him, it's a drastic change on their offense, probably more than a lot of other people when you compare what you lose when he's not there as opposed to what you get when he is there. Um Bunch of quarterbacks threw over 4,000 yards, which I believe is the standard for great as opposed to very good. He threw for 3,678, probably could have thrown for more, maybe if Mark Andrews had stayed healthy. Um, he threw for 24 touchdowns. That's no joke. He only threw seven interceptions. Big improvement. He ran 148 times for 821 yards. That outdoes a bunch of running backs. It's like a seven had, per carry average. Right. I was going to say a bunch of running backs who had far more attempts. He got more yards on less attempts than a bunch of running backs who do this for a living. And he scored five touchdowns on the ground. And the crazy thing is, he's had more rushing attempts in a few other years in the past and didn't do as well. So 
I think this new offense, I, I like to go new offense, okay, really suits him. I think he's doing extremely well. He's learned the dance, as you like to call it, in maneuvering in the pocket and getting his passes off quickly and efficiently. His accuracy, I thought, was always there, um, but it's being highlighted now because he's working better in the pocket. This is the greatest dual threat quarterback that we've ever seen. And you know I love Michael Vick, but Lamar Jackson's on a whole nother level, man. So yeah, yeah he's yeah. my MVP. All right. All right. So we we were only different, we're only different on one, one position. Defensive rookie. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That was it. That was it. Wow. Crazy. Scary, okay. man. Scary. <laughs> All right. So wait a minute. What time is that game with Peacock? Oh, the Chiefs Dolphins is uh eight. That's the eight o'clock. Eight o'clock Saturday night. Late game. It's a late game. Well, I don't know, Benny. I'm gonna be past my bedtime. <laughs> eight o'clock game, boy. I look up about about ten o'clock. A three hour game. I'm over two hours later, about ten o'clock. I'm like this. On Saturday night? I'm retired, Betty. Come on, man. Saturday, Friday. It don't make me no difference. You can hang in there. <laughs> Get you some coffee. You'll be all right. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, that's a possibility. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right, Benny. Yes, I sir. got more. You got anything else? No, I'm done, bro. Great job. Great job. Welcome to the playoffs. Uh Sayonara to the regular season. And let's see what happens. Let me see. We got six games, right? We only got six games. Our, our percentage is going to be based on a, a, a low of six games, man. We can't afford to be too far off. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. We'll see yeah, how we do. We'll see. We'll I feel see. pretty good, though. I wanted to take the Texans, but I really can't. I think the Browns' defense is going to come through. I think the Chiefs' defense is going to come through. I think the Bills' defense will be far more than the Steelers can handle. I think the Cowboys just don't lose at home. The Rams-Lions game is the scary. That might be the best game of the weekend. The intriguing game of the week. Yeah. We'll be right and on that one. I find it very hard, although obviously it's possible that the Eagles will win. But there's just too much going wrong there. I can't see them turning that around in one week. I I, I really can't. Unless the Bucks radio, somebody on the radio actually called in and said he thinks that the Eagles have been playing possum. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, on that note. <laughs> on that note. Oh. All right. Thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the notification bell. And you can find Ben and Barry on football at www.benandbarryonfootball.com. What you looking at? Sixers are up by one with 20 seconds left. On who? Atlanta. Boo. Oh, man. They should be up by 20 on Atlanta. Did you see the dime Wemby through? He, yeah, Wemby's Wemby's all right. <laughs> Wemby's all right. Wemby's blocking three point shots. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wemby, Wemby took a, a, a rebound, just turned around and whipped it like C.J. Stroud, like, down the field, down the court, man. Dude just caught it in stride. One dribble, so bam, he's in the he's in the rim. crazy. Like, uh-oh. You know, and somebody, who was it? One of the guys on, on the NBA uh, channel said, just give this guy a year or so to get bigger and stronger. Man. It'll be a problem. He blocked Giannis. Yeah. Right through the hoop. <laughs> It's <laughs> nothing. All right, man. I'll be in touch. Yes, sir. Take it easy. Peace.